Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hi, I'm Sarah Smith. If you're the type of person that goes to liberty as other people would go on safari, and the fact that John Lewis doesn't have a funeral service makes you fret, Sarah Smith cleaning cloths are for you. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. This week's show is sponsored by Tracy Shevin, who is raising funds for her local cancer unit in Stoke-on-Trent. Her husband Andrew was diagnosed nearly five years ago with stage four cancer. He's been lucky to survive these five years, However, unfortunately, the cancer has spread further and he's got to the stage where treatment wouldn't be effective. During the five years, Andrew has had several chemotherapy treatments as well as operations. He's received fabulous treatment by the staff at the hospital and Tracy would like to give something back to the unit, maybe a comfy chair for a patient or their relatives. If you'd like to donate to her fund, the page is justgiving.com slash Tracy dash Chevin. That's C-H-E-V-I-N. Thank you from Tracy Chevin with Dumpty Dog Nancy and Dumpty Mog Pushk. So with the stabbing at Blossom Hill Cottage, the nation is all a quiver with what actually is going to happen next. There is the, the plot line, the storyline the scriptwriter is going to give us, and then there is actually the legal machine. So with that in mind, we decided to reach out to barrister and general clever person of all things legal, Matthew Scott, for some answers. Matthew. Hello. So before we get down into the meat and potatoes of this, uh, Matthew, could you tell us exactly what your credentials are, sir, and why you are such a legal eagle? <laughs> I don't know whether I'm such a, a, a tremendous legal eagle. I'm a, a criminal barrister with about 30 years' experience, um, and I, I blog regularly on legal issues, but I wouldn't pretend to be uh, one of the top barristers in the country at all. I'm an ordinary criminal hack practising in the west of England. Well, wait a minute. When when we uh, when we when your agent contacted us, he, he told us that you you were one of the keenest legal minds in the country. We paid you good money to be on this podcast. Well, that's very very kind, and that's what you have an agent for. <laughs> <laughs> 
where do we start with this? Um, a woman has been um, arrested for, I don't know, is it attempted murder? You know, what... what it, the police well, she, was arrest- she wasn't arrested for attempted murder. She's been arrested for wounding, mm-hmm. uh, which is a pretty serious offence in itself. But um, that isn't necessarily going to be what she's charged with. Because okay. that will be a decision for the CPS in the end, when they've considered all the evidence they've got at the moment. But my guess is that she's very likely to face a charge of attempted murder because the obvious intention of you stab somebody in the abdomen, and she hasn't given any explanation to the police. So I think if I was prosecuting this case, attempted murder would be very much at the forefront of my mind. Okay, so we all know, as the listeners, that she has been emotionally, physically, and also raped in the last two years. But to the outside world, the evidence of this, I think, is pretty scant. Would that be a realistic portrayal? Well, at the moment... The police and the prosecution know very little of anything about that. I have to say, I don't know a huge amount about that myself. No, it will be difficult for her to to prove that there's that history. And even if there is that history, that cuts both ways. Because on the one hand, it might mean she's more likely to be afraid of him and more likely to be acting in self-defence. On the other hand, of course, if there's been a history of that sort, it gives plenty of motive for her to ex- extract revenge, and uh, revenge is no no excuse at all for committing a crime. OK, so a crime of this magnitude, um, how long would, would, be, would it be reasonable for the police and the CPS to come up with formal charges? And what exactly, how exactly does that process look? Well, they've got to do it within, I think it's 24 hours, um, they can get it an extension if there's need for, for them to do so, but normally speaking, it will be within 24 hours. What, what will happen now is that the papers will be sent to the Crime Prosecution Service, and it will be the Crime Prosecution Service rather than the police who, who decide what the charges should be. OK. And then with the, with the situation with Henry, because Henry was at least witness to something... He's a child who's, what, five? Um, what's the situation regarding him and him being interrogated and even potentially, you know, can a five-year-old actually go into the dock? How does that work? Well, a five-year-old can't go into the, into the dock as such, um, but certainly a five-year-old can potentially be a witness. I think there's been cases of children as young as four giving evidence. Um, it's not usually, in fact, it's never these days done by putting the child in the witness box. It will be done by way of, a, first of all, a pre-recorded video interview mm-hmm. um, with specially trained police officers. And uh, it may then be necessary for the child to be cross-examined at some later stage. But um, we don't, of course, know what Henry's going to say. or Indeed, if he's able to say anything after such a traumatic incident. So in terms of gathering evidence, um, what is going to be seen as being admissible um you know when does some when is something evidence and when is it kind of tittle tattle so could um david say i had suspicions about rob and culvert gate is that admissible could Kirsty? well what 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 evidence is admissible and what evidence isn't admissible and that's that's really what what barristers spend most of their their training learning and Mm -hmm. even once we've learned it 
um, almost everything is is open to argument. Uh, um, basically, it is admissible. For example, uh, if the defence is uh, from Helen is that she's terrified of, of Rob and, and he thought that she had to act in self-defence, it probably would be admissible for her to say what had happened in the past if that if that tended to support her her defence. But equally, evidence of motive, uh, a motive that she might have for or uh, deliberately stabbing Rob, that would probably be um, evidence for the prosecution. But it's a, it's a very complicated subject. It's rather difficult to say in the abstract exactly what evidence is admissible and what isn't. It, it depends what the issues turn out to be in the trial. But in terms of kind of character witnesses, because on the face of it, this looks pretty... Uh, dark for Helen because she does have, you know, she had a public meltdown just a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, Ursula is going to defend her son. Um, and let's say, you know, Susan Carter even said to uh, PC Burns yesterday that Helen is notoriously highly strung. And I think us as listeners will, will give that, you know, that view a certain amount of credence. Um, and then Rob's catch witnesses potentially are going to be much more of a of a mixed bag. Most people are going to think, well, he's a fine, upstanding citizen, and that he's been a, a devoted husband and father. Um, so, how how much is that going to play? Let's say on the CPS's mind as to whether there really is um, a, a, an answerable case that she was defending herself. Looking at just character think- witnesses. I think at this stage, the um, evidence of character is, is of pretty minimal importance in the CPS's charging decisions. They'll, they'll look at the evidence, what actually happened, and any, any forensic evidence, things like that. Um, it may well become character evidence, particularly on Helen's behalf, mm-hmm. could, could well become important and admissible uh, during the trial. But um, it's a bit harder to put in bad character evidence Against her, and I, I don't think there's going to be much of much of that because, as far as I know, she hasn't got any criminal convictions. She's never acted violently in the past, um, and just a general a sort of tittle-tattle that she's a bit highly strung and used to have anorexia. Uh, that wouldn't help the prosecution anyway, even if it was admissible, which it, it almost certainly wouldn't be. Mm. Okay, uh, but uh, evidence from people who, such as um, Sue or Ursula, who who may say. Um, truly or, or falsely, but they may say that um, she's expressed a desire to kill Rob in the past. That's not really character evidence. That's evidence that she has a, a motive and, and uh, is, is planning to, to kill him, and that, that probably could be admissible. OK. And then, um, lastly, um, I have this flight of fancy that Rob is going to... Um, try and play the victim in all of this. And he's the victim of a knife to the guts, to be fair to the evil bastard. Um, so, and, and, and he's going to try, and, and one of the ways in which he will try and, let's say, win control of Helen, again, is, is by saying that he doesn't want this prosecution to, to go ahead. How realistic would that be in this scenario? And if the person who's taken um, you know, a knife to the guts, if they said to the CPS, no, 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 um, would this still, thing still rumble on ahead? Well, I think it would certainly rumble on. It, does, it certainly makes the prosecution more difficult and uh, without 
without Rob's evidence in some form, it would be it would be pretty hard to see. Well, in fact, it would be impossible, I think, really, to to pursue the case. Although that said, um, murders are obviously prosecuted when there's no evidence from the, the deceased. So it wouldn't perhaps be technically impossible to prosecute Helen without Rob's evidence. Um, but yeah, if he wanted not to cooperate with the the investigation, then I think that might well bring a, a halt to it. But he'll come under a lot of pressure if he takes that line from the the um, police and the CPS. He's a compelling witness. They can they can put him in the witness box and ensure he comes to court. So um, I, I, you, you you know more about Rob's character than I do, but um, I think I'd be a bit surprised if he if he just refuses to give evidence at all. Well, as I said, it's probably a flight of fancy of mine. Um, Mr. Scott, if somebody wants to read your uh, your musings on uh, the legal state of, of Britain, um, how can they do that? Where can they find your blog? Well, the website, my blog, is uh, barristerblogger.com, um, and you can sometimes read my musings in the Daily Telegraph as well. Never heard of it. Is that one of these new startup websites? Yes, it's it's a it's a, it's a fairly popular website that's, that's that's getting more popular. A lot of readers these days. Brilliant. <laughs> Listen, thank you for agreeing to do this interview, and um, let's hope that Rob Titchener gets everything he deserves. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, pal. Bye bye. Thanks a lot. Bye. <laughs> Rob Titchener lying in Borsitzer General, things in the fictional and real world of the Archers have sped up a pace this week. It's with issues of coercive control and domestic violence in mind that we catch up with friend of the show, Paul Truman. Paul, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Roy Field. How are you? I'm all right, I'm all right. So the last time we spoke, you had only raised a paltry, derisory, uh, about 50 grand. A piffling, a piffling. (laughs) So um, tell us kind of what's happened since you last came on the show and possibly how the events of the last week have kind of uh, sped things up for you. Sure. So I um, so I think after we spoke, there, there were um, that was probably when, when would that have been? Would that that probably a, 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 a couple, a, maybe two weeks in, I think. And yeah. then um, and then, you know, the, the money kept coming in, although it sort of it slowed. We got to 60 grand, which I, I thought was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I put it up. But then I think in my head, I just kind of I thought that's probably it now, isn't it? I mean, I, how many people can we really can we really reach you know without being sort of really trailed and, and all the rest of it on, on radio four or, or really much more kind of oomph to it i'm not sure how much more juice there is left and i put it up to sort of 62 and a half and i got a friend of mine an old friend matt from uni who i never see anymore but we have a kind of a relationship on on twitter and, and facebook as, as is sometimes the way now and he tweeted me and said is it really bad of me to say that i i hoped you would just say oh, after you hit 60 ah fuck it and put the and put the total up to 100 and I kind of laughed and looked at his tweet and thought, yeah, go on. What's the worst that can happen? You know, worst that can happen is we don't make 100 grand, mm. but we still make 70 or, or 80 maybe even, maybe even as much as 80. So I put that up and it was it was a bit scary because up till that point, I'd always kind of slightly gamed it and you never went more than sort of, you know, I never really went more than a couple of grand more than we'd got because I, did, I wanted to encourage people to donate. Yeah. 
And obviously putting out from 60 to 100, that is a hell of a, a leap. And if I'm honest, I, I, I genuinely didn't know whether we'd get to 100. And if I thought if we do get to 100, it will take months. But, you know, that's cool. Um, are are you sure, kept... Paul, you weren't in cahoots with the scriptwriters? You knew about the next yeah, uh, right. three you months worth of scripts. Yeah, exactly. Me and Kerry Davis, we are like that. <laughs> um, no, I, I genuinely, you know, and I spoke to Refuge and I, and I went to... So in the meantime, I, I had an amazing day with the Refuge team. Um, with Lisa and Sandra and the wonderful people um, in London at uh, their, their office there, and also the wonderful Helen Walmsley-Johnson, who came along as well, and we spent a really amazing day just talking to people there and um, finding out more about what they do and how the money will be spent, and it, was, it, was, it kind of really fired me up. If I'm honest, I kind of came away from that. I'd put the total up already. Mm. I think we were on about 65, 66 at that point, and I came away from that day thinking, right, you know, however long it takes, we are going to get to 100 grand. This is, this is, is going to happen. Um, uh, and it just kept, money kept coming in, money kept coming in. And then I went on holiday last week. Um, the storyline, you could feel the storyline, couldn't you, kind of get, you know, picking up and picking up. And I went on holiday, and I think it was at about 76, 77 grand. So this would have been um, the I went. We went off to Switzerland. Uh, took my kids uh, on a on a cheap and cheerful, well, certainly cheerful anyway, skiing holiday, and we got to the mountains. And I remember celebrating eighty grand. Somehow we got to eighty grand. The money started really coming in. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, I remember actually when it kicked off. It kicked off with um, the Good Friday episode, which I think resulted in her ringing a helpline, which we're kind of meant to assume is refuge although obviously they're never mentioned yes and then it kicked off because they had the woman's hour um interviews and as i knew as i've known all along and slightly had to kind of bite my fist you know with some oomph from radio 4 it that just kind of took the cork out of the bottle and the money just started pouring in um and we went from 77 grand i think we put on almost 10 grand while while i was away for a week Mm -hmm. um and I got back just in time for the for the big, you know, the big Friday night and, and, and everything else since. And we just, you know, it just soared. I mean, we did, we did something like 20 grand, I think, in a week. So where are you at right now? We are at £107,000. Crumbs. When you add in gift aid, which I, I don't tend to talk about, not because I'm trying to fool anybody. It's, it's all there on the website. You can see to the penny how much money has been taken. Mm-hmm. Um, but equally, it's not what people donate. People donate their cash, and then we, we get the, the largesse of kind of George Osborne kind of give, giving them money back. Um, with, but with Gift Aid, it is something astonishing, like £130,000, um, which is, just saying out loud, feels kind of mad. Um, we're also, I'm very excited to say, mm-hmm. I've got almost an exclusive year, and I don't know what time, I don't know when this is going to go out. Well, this... But, yeah, okay. This is going to go out um, may- maybe tomorrow. Okay, well, that's really interesting. Well, Oz, tomorrow being Friday, the tomorrow being... 9th of April, yes. I think. Yeah. Yes. So uh, in the next 24 hours, we are going to start selling. Um, we are, we are re- re- reviving the free The Ambridge One, and we have some free The Blossom Hill One merch that will be coming out. Um, now that that was uh, the the instigation of a chap called Michael Moran on who you may know off Twitter. He's yes. at the Michael Moran. I know him. Um, yeah. So so he contacted 
me uh, or tweeted me during during the last few days and said, "What about t-shirts? Would you be interested in t-shirts?" And I just thought, "Yeah, why not? I think it's great. You know, it's it's all all obviously all proceeds will go to refuge." Um, we're going to do tea towels as well, which I'm, I'm quite excited about. I do like a good tea towel. Um, <laughs> and, and, yeah, it's going to be, you know, all, all the profits will go. We've, we've, had, we've teamed up with this fantastic little company who are, who are going to um, pro- are producing the stuff for us. And, yeah, and all the money will go to refuge. So that, that is fantastic. And that is literally – we are kind of on – any moment now we'll be going live. So hopefully by the time people are listening to this um, – hello, everyone um, – it, it will be it will be live and people will be able to go and there'll be links all over the place to go and buy this stuff um, for anyone who wants to kind of commemorate um, the events of the last week. So your partner, has she become a fundraising widow? It sounds to me <laughs> like, um, you know, with, with the exception of this little holiday you, you took your family yeah. on, you've devoted mind, body and soul to this thing in the last uh, couple of months. There was a wonderful moment when we were on holiday where I got tweeted by um, uh, a lady uh, from the Press Association, a journo from the Press Association, mm-hmm. and she said, could you do an interview? And I said, well, I'm, I'm on holiday, but I can, yeah, I can do an interview. That's no problem, down the phone, obviously. Um, and I was at the bottom of a ski, li- a ski run with a, with a van show talking to this journalist, and I swear to God, I felt like it's the closest I'll ever come to know what it must have been like to be Michael Winner. <laughs> I felt just like this kind of ridiculously poncy... Um, kind of, you know, person being asked to pontificate on the news of the day whilst skiing. It was, I just wanted any, the only way it could have been any better is if Joan Collins had been there with me and we could have pretended we were in Gestart or someone, something like that. It was wonderful. Um, and my, my wife was taking the piss out of me quite, quite rightly too. Um, she's been brilliant. Uh, she's called Emma. She's fantastic. And, and she's put up with me. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fair amount of late night tweeting, but to be honest, you know, it's not, I am not putting this money in the bank. It, it, it is the amazing generosity and kindness and um, uh, goodwill of, of everyone else. I'm just showing well, people the way. I'm just well, the guy the, going. It's the power of. It's the power of uh, an amazing storyline, which has managed to touch, uh, educate, inform, and entertain. Uh, which we'll, we'll come on to in a little bit. Um, so many people, and then it's. Uh, your bloody clever, uh, you know, page. So yeah, it's, it's a confluence of, of all of it, sir. It's, well, thank you. It, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely, you know, without, obviously without the idea and the page, there'd be no cash. But, you know, equally, as, as you, we, we said before, I think the last time I was on here, um, you know, without the show, without the community, um, without the goodwill, there would be no money in the bank. So it's this lovely, virtuous circle. You know, everything has to work for it to work. And I'm just, like, you know, so happy that it's worked out how it, how it has. So I've been on the, on the Twitters today, in between doing a little bit of design work. You know, <laughs> Twitter's been chuntering away. And, and, and somebody started to beat me up, and, and, you, and you decided to spectate and, and have popcorn and uh, <laughs> t- take in the entertainment. Tell me how you think the story has played out vis-a-vis Helen stabbing Rob. What's your take on it? So... I listened to your I listened to your um, your episode, the last one, and um, where you and Lucy were discussing it, and I and I heard your just wonderful kind of five minutes of, of invective, uh, very you know very very well thought through, and and you said you were very you were very keen to kind of give the, all the credit to the the amazing the amazing team that put together, but you had real issues with it, and um, I, you know I don't have a hundred percent black or white answer to it. I suppose 
I open it this way. The first thing I would say is, for me, Rob Titchener crossed the line when he put that teddy bear in the bin. <laughs> now, I am, I, now, I know this is completely different because I'm a bloke, right? And I'm thinking about it as a bloke, and I'm, I'm six foot three. I weigh quite a lot. And for me, that, at that moment, I would have torn that guy's arms out of his, out of his socket. There is just, you know, if a, a man touched my kid's teddy bear <laughs> or mine, that would be it. I would end him. So, so for me, he's already, he's already dead to me, right? You know, what, everything else he's done, that was the icing on the cake. Mm. Um, but with that, in, so with that in mind, I, 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 okay, so here it is. I, I bought what happened. A, I thought it was an astonishing uh, 13 or 14 minutes of radio. It was. I mean, I genuinely, I've said this before, I felt I could feel my, my, my heart in my throat while I sat there. I felt sick and... I just was like everyone else, you know, 20 minutes later, I was still sat there kind of staring at my laptop while I listened to it on, kind of going, oh, my God, and, and, and reaching for a whiskey. Um, so it's problematic in that, for me, uh, you know, statistically, the vast majority of times that that, that, that um, confrontation happens, it is the man who will kill the woman. Um, you know, we all know, the, we, uh, thankfully, you know, now... We have, I think people are generally more aware of terrifying stats like, you know, mm. two, two women killed every week by their partners in Britain. Um, however, I did buy it partly because, um, I, I, and, I, and I, I understood what you said in your episode today where you said, you know, that they've, um, they have a duty to kind of portray um, the way out. Now, I, I would disagree. I would say it's art. And, and I don't think art has a duty to be um, 100%. It's not a public service um, announcement. It's, it's got to do its own thing. Now, well, I think they've, and, and I think they've done that in parts. And I think at this point they've said, we are going to, this is going to take a, a route that, that we as writers and, and, and actors are going to decide. Mm. Um, I, I, I agree with you that this is art and there, and, it's there, not necessarily... Yeah, it's there primarily to entertain. Mm. There's absolutely no two ways about mm. it. It's just that when you look at the extremely sensitive portrayal and the detailed portrayal and the fact that they said things very clearly in all of the press, yes. we're, we're trying to play this out in real time. Yes. So let's just forget the fact that Kenton basically had financial meltdown and depression, uh, alcoholism, <laughs> and that was dealt with in, what, now. three months, right? We're yeah. going to play this out in real time to show yes. that we can uh, realistically portray this. Yes. Then if we're going to realistically portray this... Um, the woman tries to leave on several occasions. All the statistics say it's up to seven times she tries to leave. Yeah, now, before so, before before she leaves, yes. and and I would say that the public service uh, remit of this whole storyline has been writ so large with the with the writers telling us ad nauseum, and I don't mean that to sound um, in no, at all negative, um, that they've gone to refuge and like minded organisations, and we're also told that a lot of the lines that Rob came out with are verbatim lines mm. that women have actually mm. used. Yeah. So I would have thought that at the denouement, apex, whatever the word is, climax, there's the word I'm searching for, that we would have had 
a more representative portrayal of of that moment. However, as you know, as I very clearly said, it was an amazing 13 minutes of drama, which needs to go down in the annals of yeah. not just the Archers, radio drama. Yeah, drama, yeah, or, or whatever, on whatever medium. So you see, now for me, the reason, the reason it worked is because they maintained the truth of her character in that moment. So... Um, Henry's a breaking she, point. For you, it's the yeah. teddy bear. Right, but for her, <laughs> it was... So uh, what I loved about the way that it worked for me is that... Do you remember when, um, when they had that amazing moment where she talked to Henry off camera? Or off camera? You see, I've done that thing that you mentioned the other day about mm. saying camera and... Yeah, and, and scene. yeah. Um, off, off air um, and found out about the school and came in in a, in a, in a Shakespearean kind of rage... She went from naught to 60 in seconds. Now, but still hasn't at that point talked, acknowledged to anyone, even really Kirsty, that she's married to a monster. I, I think she's buried all this. I, what, what I found really interesting was that they made, I, I got the sense that they've made it clear that Helen has buried this rage that surfaces occasionally, but she is still processing it out loud to people. I mean, she still hasn't really... I can't... I might have missed no, something. She's, no, she's, she's completely in... No, she's not completely in denial. She's, in the most part, still in denial yes. about which, Rob's which true nature. Which is why nature. she had... That, why, why she said, I'm going to give him dinner and, and explain things to him, because she still wants him to be the kind of person that would say, yes, darling, that sounds like a perfectly... You know, if you need time and space, you should have time and space. Whereas Kirsty's saying, get the hell away from him... Mm. But because of this denial, but buried underneath all that denial, she knows. She mm. knows, you know, she has known since she uh, had that amazing episode where, which was the day I came up with the idea for it, because it was such an astonishing bit of radio then, that, uh, that weird episode where she took him out of school without saying to anyone why. Yes. And it was such a cry from her subconscious. And, mm. I, and I always think she's been this amazing mix ever since of, in boiling rage at what's happened that her subconscious knows exactly what's happened and her conscious which is still he's a wonderful man you don't understand him i need looking after and I, and that's why i think in the moment i totally bought that her subconscious took over and she thought i've got to end this and i've got to end him and in, that's the only way this is going to work you know one of the things i said very clearly last week is that they picked the perfect character yes for this storyline uh, because you know you couldn't have believed if it was literally any other woman in in Ambridge you literally would not have believed it there would have to have been an, another element uh to let's say to have a Jolene worn down to the point where she accepted uh some you know her partner to you know to not only emotionally control her but then to to mm. rape her yeah um so um so yeah we're very close in this. It's, it's yes, a case yes. of I just I just believe that considering coercive control is still the, the term and actually what it is is still so new to people. We've mm. always known bullies in relationships, mm. um, but now we realise how insidious it, it can actually be. How a hundred years ago it was totally acceptable for a man to hit his wife. Ex acceptable well, yeah, I mean, a lot a lot more recently well that. yeah uh, but and let's say that by the by let's say 50 years ago and the police would still turn up to uh domestic uh to a domestic 
And there you go. It wasn't seen as being violence. It was a domestic. And you would just, you know, maybe have a little bit of word with the husband and then you'd walk away. So in terms of physical violence, of which for the most part men are the perpetrators, not wholly but for the most part, um, attitudes have changed in what? Let's say a generation and a half. I think that's fairly safe to say. Um, With coercive control, this is something which we are... For the most part, a lot of people are kind of really learning about now that it, you know, it can be as bad and is as terrible as um, physical violence. But of course, Rob's even crossed the line there. Just so before people say, "Oh no, no, no," you know, he has, you know, he has struck her at least twice now and raped raped her twice. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And actually, just before I I, I completely uh, forget, I slightly disagree with you about the point where Helen really understood the monster that Rob was. For me, it was the evening yeah. after he plied her with drink, yeah. after they came up from the honeymoon. She's never been the same since. No. That week, when she came back from the Isle of Wight, she was telling yes. everybody how, what, you know, what a stallion in bed he was, etc., and what an amazing man he was. That was when she first, re- when she first absolutely realised, but she's buried it away, even though she'd had nagging doubts before. So... The whole thing about um, the the parent, yeah, the, the fatherhood of Ethan. She did question that. She, yes. she she absolutely did, but she went, okay, I'll give you the benefit of that. And of course, yeah. honey, I, I I believe you, etc. But she wasn't quite sure. And when that paternity test came, she went, okay, the little nagging doubts I have about this man, they're not valid. And that's yeah, partly the re- partly the reason why then she went through with you know kind of getting married and that you know having this you know. Um, elopement etc but you know what Uh, you're doing Lucy's job (laughs) and you know what no one could do Lucy's job (laughs) you know what Paul I love you dearly but you're not as good looking as my Lucy so so we we need to wrap this up we need to wrap this up by you telling people how they can get onto your Just Giving page where is it at and um, and anything else you want to tell us before we go thanks Royfield Um, and thanks everyone who has donated and thanks everyone who's told their friends Uh, who shared it on Facebook, who's tweeted it, who's Instagrammed it, whatever it is you've done with it, if you've passed it on. I've uh, podcasted it. You've podcasted it. Thank you very much. Um, And if you haven't heard of it or you haven't been there, what the hell have you been doing? No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Or you haven't been there, it's it's justgiving.com slash Helen Titchener. Um, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I wish... I wish I could go back two months and change it to Helen Archer, but I made it Helen Titchener, and I did not know this was going to become a national thing. Um, so it's justgiving.com slash Helen Titchener, um, and please, um, you know, if it's, if it's two quid, if it's 200 quid, which... So last night, I, I, I came on this morning on the page, had a look, and someone, someone has written very sweetly, we were, we were all out for dinner last night, and we decided we'd have a, a whip round, because as sure as eggs is eggs, they wrote... Um, Helen's going to need some money and they donated 130 quid so I can only wow. see my bunch of people out of dinner A, talking about this which I love B, talking about the, the, the thing and then and then C, actually doing it and, and giving me the money, it's amazing so go and have a look, I mean if you've donated, please go, thank you so much If you, go and have a look at the comments they are amazing, I mean every day someone posts writes something incredible on, on that page um it's uh, we've got to do something with those comments at some point um and thank you very much to everyone for putting up with me over the last two months cocking on about this all the time and thanks to you royfield and lucy for having me on the show
you know, considering this is only supposed to be a little five-minute addendum, uh, you managed to string that out for a good 20-plus. <laughs> Mid-afternoon coffee always helps. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. So the events of Blossom Mill Cottage have not only now scarred Rob physically, Helen emotionally, but also little Henry. So with that in mind, I thought it'd be quite a wise thing to to speak to friend of the show, Witherspoon, as to how each of those three characters might be feeling. So Lonnie, hello. Hey, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Now, quickly, first off, Helen has been arrested. She has... Uh, stabbed her husband. Um, from listening to the shows this week, could you give us some idea as to her mental state? Well, right now, I, I think she's in a state of emotional shock where uh, there's a great deal of denial, lack of connection to her feelings, which is probably a good thing for her right now. So as you're seeing, there's a sense of flatness about her and even a a lack of recall about her emotional state. And that's probably the best way to protect herself. Otherwise, I think she would uh, curl into a ball in a state of profound depression. So an interesting yesterday, PC Burns was trying to gather evidence, and he spoke to village tittle-tattle Susan Carter, and Susan said, oh, well, she's always been highly strung, etc. And she had anorexia. Now, I know next to nothing about, about these things, but it seems to me that Helen has always been somewhat emotionally fragile. Would that be a fair assessment to make? Well, I think she has had her share of emotional problems. I don't know if Fragile is the right word to describe her. It's a bit condescending. Uh, I think anyone who would have undergone the chronic nature of emotional and somewhat physical trauma that she's been through over the last two years uh, will be in a compromised emotional state. And I don't think it has... So even though she's had anorexia and other emotional problems in the past, putting that aside, she'd be in a very bad off state because of all the trauma she's had. So even a a very healthy person who's been in a long-term abusive situation uh, would have broken down. Just just so we're clear, I was really referring to her pre-Rob. So don't get me wrong, the, um, what she's been through in the last couple of years uh, and her response, whether I think it served the drama well at all, uh, was actually understandable, her response when her son is actually being uh, physically threatened, or at least that's what she felt at that point that Henry was in mortal danger. So really it was the Helen beforehand, it was the Helen with Greg, it was the Helen um, who... who who actually, and this is something which Andrew Horn uh, pointed out, has always been wrapped up in a certain amount of cotton wool by her parents because of her traumatic birth. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously there are another two characters who were witness, shall we say, to the events on on Sunday. Little Henry. Um, I kind of surmise speculated in my five minute uh, rant along on Monday show that we've now set Henry up to be this deeply scarred, wounded, um, potentially kind of psychopath for, for the next 50 years. Uh, um, a little, I think that's a little unfair. Good, because I don't want him to be. But we are dealing ultimately with, with a drama and things always happen. You know, characters are always the way they are for a reason, for a discernible reason. So I'm wondering, you know, this child is going to grow up and we don't know if he absolutely witnessed his father being stabbed, but at least he's seen him on the floor in a pool of blood. That we do know. How could a child so young or how would a child so young be be coping with what, what he's seen at the moment? Well, actually, I'm more concerned about her separation from Helen, whether it be her mother, his mother, uh, whether it be just for the short term or, God forbid, for a long period of time, that's going to be much more traumatic for him than what he may have witnessed in the blink of an eye for him. Uh, kids uh, have different defense mechanisms for for something that may occur in a very short period of time. He could have quickly formed a different impression, a different fantasy about it. As he said, he thought his father was asleep. And that fantasy may very well be one that he keeps. But eventually he will need to be told the truth in some fashion. So that's when the a certain amount of trauma will occur. And again, if Helen goes to prison for a number of years, you know, this separation will be a much more traumatizing uh, episode for him than what he may or may not have witnessed. Okay, and we don't want to have too much sympathy for, for Mr. Titchener, but he has... Um if not nearly lost his life, he's uh, temporarily lost the use of his bowels anyway, if he's had some kind of colostomy <laughs> bag. So um, yes. l- let's say... Somebody that, think that that's an appropriate punishment for well, that, believe. It, 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 it does feel so, somewhat, uh, somewhat apt. Um, let's say that he's going to make somewhat of, of a recovery. Knowing the character of Rob, how do you think he's going to react to what's happened? I think he will react in a Rob-like fashion. He is a narcissist. Uh, I think he will completely deny any complicity in this. Uh, He will not accept any responsibility for his abuse. Uh, He will put the, the blame squarely on Helen and portray himself to be the victim. And and at the same time, some he'll he'll spin it in some heroic fashion that, in fact, he was saving Henry's life. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he actually threw that one up. I think you're right, and um, and I've said this on the twitters. I think he's going to use this as a way of 
obviously further portraying Helen to be a crazy woman, but him to be the concerned husband and doting father to Henry and also to to the unborn son and and actually to try and have these charges dropped. Uh, but that's just wild speculation from me. Um, Mr. Witherspoon, um, what's the weather like in New York today? It is quite miserable. It is, as uh, my Scottish husband says, it is quite bleak. Uh, it is chilly and rainy and gloomy. Perfect for Scotland. Sounds like a typical London day as well. However, <laughs> that would not be correct today because it's actually quite lovely today. But Mr. Witherspoon, um, thank you for your time and thank you for um, giving us a little bit of an insight into the emotional uh, welfare and state, shall we say, of the three inhabitants of Blossom Hill Cottage. Thank you, sir. You are very welcome. Take care. We'll speak again soon. I look forward to it. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Hi, it's Miss Mid-City. Thinking about it as someone who's been an Archers fan for ages, more than 30 years now, and somebody who who is by by professional training, a lawyer, and even though I don't do criminal law anymore, I'm just thinking about my knowledge of criminal law and how all this this stuff's going to pan out and my knowledge of family law. Um, I'm thinking that this is, um, this is going to divide the village. And by the time this case gets to trial, assuming it's not dealt with before, whether Helen... Um, I don't think Helen's going to harm herself and do away with herself. And I don't think the police are going to drop the charges. I think the people of Ambridge are going to choose sides. And it's going to be like the OJ trial in Ambridge. So prepare for rioting if the verdict goes the wrong way. Uh, I'm thinking in terms of who I'd want as my prosecution witnesses. Definitely Ursula after, after Wednesday night's incident. I'd have called her anyway. But des- definitely Ursula and PC Burns, they would be my prosecution witnesses straight off. And then who for the defence if I was defending Helen? Um, obviously Kirsty and uh, possibly Jess. And then if it came to character witnesses for Helen, then I'd be a bit stuck. Pretty much everyone has positive things to say about Rob, but you don't need that as evidence. Um, what you want is to, is to build your case for Helen and defend her. And uh, you're not going to be able to do that where people are describing her as neurotic and highly strung and troubled and telling you that, that, that she's been through a lot. Where are you going to find her supporters? Even in her own family. I'm, I'm really dubious about Pat. And I wonder if there is a possibility that Pat could be called as a witness for the prosecution because she heard this conversation, this outburst of Helen's in which she said she would kill Rob. Now, I know what prosecution lawyers are going to do with that. <laughs> I know what I'm laughing for. It's not funny. But I know how these people work. I know what they're going to do with that. And Pat was present. And they're going to use Pat to put their case over. So I wouldn't be surprised if Pat ends up having to give evidence against Helen's own daughter. Uh, because didn't know there were any problems. Nobody apparently knew there were any problems in that relationship. 
and everybody has thought that Rob is a nice guy. So who, and I don't know if it's like any of us all to try and get all the people who have the negative things to say about Rob, would they have? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com have anything useful to contribute to a trial? I don't know. Schuler and the incident with the hunt saboteur? Hmm. No, because when it comes down to it, didn't she lie to cover up for him? So she undermines herself. Charlie, easy to undermine him too, because of what happened with Adam and the circumstances in which he lost his job. Jenny and David with their suspicions about Stefan and Covert Gate. There's, there's nothing concrete there. So... I don't know where Helen's going to find any comfort or solace in all of this. And in terms of the village, there are obviously going to be people who just don't accept what they hear. And as the truth gradually comes out and Helen's story is told, and if she's put on trial and by the time she's put on trial and the details of abuse starts coming up, because it's going to be a public, it's going to be a matter of public record by then. And the details of the abuse and the rape and the assault start to surface and the controlling behavior. It's going to be uncomfortable for everyone. And there are going to be people who, even when they hear it, do not believe. And they're going to wonder how Pat and Tony and Tom just did. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. 
But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Didn't know and did nothing about it. This is perhaps just starting to get interesting.